Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome back to the Nativity Podcast. We're broadcasting live from Burke, Virginia at the Church of the Nativity. I am Father Ed Bresnahan, parochial vicar here at the Church of the Nativity, and with me as always... Your co-host, Mary Castellano, the social media coordinator here at Nativity. And oh my goodness, we've had so many episodes now where we are just talking to different people who uh, work for the church, who volunteer for us, who do all sorts of different ministries in the church. Today, we are happy to welcome someone... I think the best way to describe it is someone who works alongside of us, which is kind of a a beautiful thing. Connecting us to the diocese Mm -hmm. and connecting us, especially through Catholic charities. And today with us, we welcome Marguerite Turner. Well, hello. Glad to have you. What is your official title in the diocese and with us? Uh, So my official title is psychotherapist and regional manager. So I I manage the the staff in the north part of... uh, uh, family services, the north part of the diocese. And just to sort of kind of be clear about that, that means, so the entire diocese of Arlington runs all the way from Winchester all the way down to Fredericksburg. So when you say the northern part, you mean just the north half of all of it. Right. We have therapists that, since the pandemic, have been able to work out of any sort of, see people from anywhere. Um, but I, I manage the staff of clinicians that sort of basically base themselves in the north and there are others who manage the staff in the South. Nice. All right. Wow. Well, that I mean, it's exciting. So, so we'll be talking today about mental health and a lot about the relationship between mental health to spiritual health mm-hmm. and uh, just a way that we can offer some services to our parishioners and to the people in, in the community that might be a little different than you were maybe expecting. So uh, a little bit different than what maybe a, a normal, you know, oh, mass baptism, mm-hmm. sacrament type kind of thing, but still necessary and incredibly, incredibly helpful in kind of bringing our church, our church together. But I got to ask, you know, I mean, like when we talk about these things, a lot of times these are professions and, you know, I mean, all three of us here working for the church and doing, doing, doing these things, you know, for the church. I wonder sometimes, you know, if we, if we didn't sort of, if we hadn't necessarily heard the call that God gives us for the mission that we're doing right here in Burke, what would we be doing? What would be like that job? You know, if you were just on your own and, and had your own druthers and could do anything and there was no like application process for it, no sort of prerequisites or qualification, you just automatically got to do the job, right? And it could be any job in the world. And what would, what would that job be? Mary, what would you do? Man, I think it would be really cool to um, to be kind of a travel photographer. I think I think another um, title for it nowadays is called adventure photographer. This is very popular on Instagram right now, but um, I think it'd be really neat to be uh, that friend who always who is in charge specifically on your family vacation or travels of just taking your photos. I think that would be so cool and so much fun, uh, especially in really cool, really neat places. You get to meet some fun people, and then you'd also get to um, you get to travel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be really cool—a traveling photographer, but specifically to take pictures like of people on their travels. So I love yeah. It. What about you, Father? You know, it's funny because whenever I tell my vocation story, I always like to share with people that before I became a priest, one of the first things that I wanted to do was that I wanted to be a spy. Ooh, I loved. I've never heard that before. <laughs> I did. I, I did. Um, so I like to tell people that also because they're like, "Wait, what?" And now I tell people that I have the perfect cover. 
Oh my so, gosh. <laughs> no one suspects hiding in plain sight. No. Um, <laughs> the, the best part about it is what I really love is I love the idea of being able to solve puzzles, like solve mm. mysteries, codes, those kinds of things, and kind of putting the pieces together to find out who the other spy is. Mm. Um, and I think that I could be wrong, so maybe one of our loyal listeners can tell us um, that uh, <laughs> that um, that uh, the actual term for it. But I was always under the impression that the term was called a spook. That a spy is someone who looks to get information from someone else. And a spook is the one who is sort of protecting the information by looking for and sort of discovering the spies. So the idea of like spy hunting is like, it was like always kind of a fascinating thing. Like as a kid, wow. you know, you like love Tom Clancy and stuff like that. Yeah. You just kind of, so I, I would love if, 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 if there was no sort of prerequisite or had to sort of complete change of trajectory on the job, I think I would love to like be a spy hunter or an analyst or some kind of thing, cool thing like that. Nice. Marguerite, what about you? What would be your job if you weren't currently a counselor? I think I'd like to work with animals. Um, I the pandemic has given me plenty of time to watch a variety of veterinary shows on. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I would like to work with animals, um, not necessarily rhinoceros or elephants, <laughs> but dogs, cats, horses, things like that. I'm not sure I want to do surgery on them, but I think mm. I want to spend time with animals. Like, you, a, like local vet or like SPCA? Well, I think I would be hands-on. Um in terms of diagnosing and treating and caring for, but I am not, you know, just animals. Nice. I love it. I love it. Wow. So, Marguerite, could you tell us a little bit about what you actually do? Uh, maybe just kind of give a little rundown of um, what it's like to work for Catholic Charities and maybe some of your responsibilities. What are you in charge of? Well, I've been in Catholic Charities for about 21 years. I'm a licensed professional counselor in the state of Virginia, and I supervise the staff that I, I mentioned, as well as supervise people who are looking towards licensure. Um for the state, and I see clients and manage the North program pretty much. That, that'll keep me busy for the whole week. Yeah, wow. absolutely. So, Margaret, your connection here to Nativity, uh, pre-pandemic, you would come once every week, mm -hmm. and you would meet with clients here mm -hmm. at the office in person. Mm -hmm. uh, how long had you been doing that? Prior to the pandemic? Yeah. I think I I think we're going on about five years or so in total. If I if I don't if I include the pandemic, if maybe six, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. So I would come on Tuesdays before the pandemic, and now I'm here on Thursdays, and I see people who not only have been referred to me by the parish mm -hmm. uh, through the parish, I also see some of my clients that live just closer to here, so they'll come here. Mm -hmm. But I am I I know my name and phone numbers in the in the bulletin, so I get a variety of calls, not necessarily related to therapy but looking for resources from catholic oh, wow. charities so i just sort of field whatever whoever calls me and whatever they want to ask me wow and so you meet with people in person like we just said and mm -hmm. you also do you still continue to meet with people virtually we do i don't think we're ever going to go back to 100 percent face-to-face we have found when and i i would never have believed it that this virtual thing is really effective i got to see wonderful animals in the background <laughs> doing strange things um and people will sit on their bed in their jammies and they're just not everybody's doing that but it's they're just really comfortable and they feel safe 
safer and they don't have to fight traffic. Mm. It's been very effective. And so for those who want to continue to do that, I think we will. For those who want to be seen in person, we're going to do that. I'm, I now go two days a week, one day here, one day in Fairfax, or is our headquarters, um, seeing people there when for those who want to come in in person. Mm-hmm. Now, you said that you work for family services. Mm-hmm. So in general, like I'm, I'm kind of putting some pieces together here. Um, does that involve counseling whole families, individual people in families, couples? All of that. So I am not ex- exactly sure how that... Pre- so at Catholic Charities, we have about 20, 21 programs, and Family Services is one of them. And I, its name predates my tenure. And so I'm not quite sure how it got that name. People tend to get a little confused at times with what we do, but we do serve... We are the, the outpatient mental health uh, counseling part of the agency, and we serve individuals, couples, families, parent, child, children, adolescents. It's amazing. Absolutely phenomenal. Have you noticed that the pandemic um, has affected sort of the need or what what sort of maybe difference from uh, from how you've entered into the work of helping uh, helping folks with mental health? How has the pandemic changed or shifted that perspective or a couple different ways? One is. We've noticed that by switching to virtual, we're being able to see more people. Um, There was a point where if you were in the north part of the diocese, you were not going to be seeing people from Stafford or Fredericksburg. But now, since people can do this virtually, I have a few people who that's where they live. And they don't come up and see me in person, but I meet with them virtually. So our reach has expanded. Um, I, occasionally I even get a call from somebody in Charlottesville or someplace else um, because you don't have to actually be a member of the diocese apparently anymore um, to, to do virtual therapy in the state. Um, so that's been a real bonus. I do think young people have certainly been more impacted by COVID than the adults have just because they're, you know, they're at a such a tough time in their developmental stage and it's all about their peers and they haven't been able to be with their peers and so a lot of I think for a lot of adolescents there's been a time of regressing a bit Um, some of the adults I have found this is very very difficult for them especially if they're isolated Um, and for some people when you can't get away from your family everybody is more agitated and distressed Wow, it's like the stress of the holiday season all wrapped up oh, into, yeah. but like stretched yeah. out over time. Yeah. Well, uh, for, and for some people, it's, it's worked out well that they don't have to work as hard in terms of the extra hours of a commute. They can end their day earlier. I, I certainly have seen people walking around the neighborhood at all kinds of different times of the day. Um, so clearly people are being able to take breaks during their work day that they didn't used to. Um, and I think for some people, it's actually been a boon. So it's kind of a mixed bag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, Catholic Charities provides uh, sort of a unique perspective in, in the world of uh, therapy because um, it's, it's just, it's in the name, right? Catholic Charities. So there's an opportunity to sort of be open, I think, about that intersection between faith and, and life. Um, so have you noticed or how would you sort of describe um, sort of that connection between mental health and spiritual health that you do in your, in your work? Well, I, I certainly over the years have noticed that uh, if somebody is doing anything that would probably not be approved of by the Catholic Church, they're not—they're going to self-select out. They're not going to come to us. 
um, those who do come to us are or tend to be Catholic. You don't have to be Catholic uh, to to use our services, nor do you have to be Catholic to to work at Catholic charities. The majority of our clients tend to be Catholic. Um, I absolutely think it's, you know, for, for some people, they really want to and they're hungry to make a connection between their faith and their mental health um, to be able to talk to people holistically about both spiritual and mental health issues, I think, is really handy. We have to be very clear that we are not doing spiritual direction. Mm-hmm. We are not doing, air quotes, Catholic therapy. Right. Um, that we're doing professional mental health therapy with uh, all master's level clinicians licensed, hopefully soon, clinicians, um, but that we have the openness to be able to talk about some spiritual stuff um, if they would like to do that. I have certainly heard people tell me, all, I'm, a, I'm a cradle Catholic, so I've been around a while, and I've heard mm-hmm. all kinds of different things that people believe, and I, if it, I'm hearing things that don't make any sense to me or that I don't think makes what the church is saying, I we will refer people to go talk to a priest to get mm-hmm. some better clarity about, is that right? Is that accurate? Because I've certainly seen some real damage between how people, in all honesty, have weaponized some of what the mm-hmm. church would teach about something and wow. use it against somebody uh, in terms of telling them they're sinful, they're bad, they're wrong, they're inviting Satan in things like that, which I, I'm like, yeah, I don't think so, but <laughs> I think you need to go talk to somebody to, to get the real truth about that one. I think that's so interesting that you bring up the, the referral process to a priest, because I did a little bit of, uh, of pastoral ministry in my college. Uh, I did a certificate in pastoral ministry, and one of the things that they emphasized was, if it ever comes to a point as me, as a lay person, in my conversation with someone, that really should be talked about more in a therapy session, not to be afraid to refer to a mm-hmm. professional. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's actually really cool that you bring up referring to a professional priest, someone mm-hmm. who know, who's who been taught the faith, mm-hmm. knows the faith, that is that is their job. Whereas, you know, priests can pastorally sort of counsel someone, but again, it can get to the point where they need to refer to a professional licensed counselor. So there's that partnership, there's that that working with each other, that that relationship there that um, that you you know and Father, you know all too well. So I'm, I'm glad that you bring that up. I think that's very important. Yeah, it was just fascinating to hear that just because, yeah, from the same perspective, I can't tell you the number of times that somebody's come in for spiritual direction and then they start talking to you and you're like, this isn't spiritual. You you need to talk to a counselor. <laughs> this is definitely, you know, there's you know a number of places where there's plenty of intersect because you know mm-hmm. faith and life really do go go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, maybe the disciplines that somebody practices in their life that help them coping with uh, their anxieties and their depressions are also kinds of things that will help them with maybe spiritual scruples and things like that mm-hmm. can be very helpful. So mm-hmm. I think they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. But I think they do. yeah, so many times I can't tell you the number of times I'm like, ah, it's not me you need to be talking mm-hmm. to. You need to be down the hall talking mm-hmm. to our wonderful counselor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of a good kind of coping, healthy coping, what would you what would you suggest if, uh, you know, if you had any sort of off the hand, off the cuff um, tips or advice? It could be specific to this time right now during the pandemic, January 2021 uh, or 2022, when this will air. Um, do you have any sort of healthy tips for people to go about taking care of their mental health? 
One of the things I, 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 and it's quite a struggle at times with people, uh, is to encourage them to be kind to themselves. Mm. Um, we, we always, so many clients that I've had over the years are really tuned in to treat others as, you know, that whole thing about treating others a certain way, but they de- never hear the b- second piece, which is how you would want to be treated, how, how God loves you. You treat others with love the same way that you love yourself or God loves you, and they don't ever hear the second piece. So they hear, I need to be out there doing, 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 and they are inc- often very, very hard on themselves. Um, don't think about looking at themselves with mercy and kindness, and, and that would certainly be something I would be talking to, to people about is to be you know, asked to see yourself the way God sees you, which is with mercy and, and kindness, not with the harsh critic that many, many people have. So that is one thing. Self-care is hugely important. Uh, I have a lot of training in trauma. And the whole idea of how to take care of yourself when you're getting triggered, especially during COVID, all kinds of really good things one can do. Slow, deep breathing, rhythmic movement, rocking is actually, you know, we rock babies for a reason. They they relax when we do that. Well, we can do that for ourselves. There are some specific techniques that probably would need to be more visual than auditory uh, <laughs> for me to show you. But just some really attentive to what's going on in the moment, not thinking as much about the future, but pr- pulling yourself into the, to the present moment. Things like that that are, are going to be helpful to keep us from panicking or being really distressed about the future. Actively moving is really very helpful to doing that. Wow, I think it's really great that you bring in the, some physical things mm. that you can do. One of the reasons why we why we invited Marguerite to come in to speak about mental health, about her time in counseling, is we really value the person as a whole. And mm. I think having this discussion, having this dialogue about how to take care of your mental health and to some ideas of how uh, physically, you can. I, I think that's so interesting. I never even thought if if I'm having a moment of panic, that rocking could actually help. I, I've never considered that in my life, and so that's new information. And hopefully, that could help somebody who really needs to hear that. But that looking at the person as a whole, mm-hmm. I think, is very important, especially coming from uh, coming from a faith based organization mm-hmm. that we really do care about you as as a holistic person, body and soul body and soul. Well, we always talk about how grace builds on nature, Mm -hmm. right? And, um, you know, I mean, our whole church is sacramental, right? It's rooted in real people in history. It's rooted in real objects that you can see, taste, and touch, right? That you can, you know, water for baptism and bread and wine for the Eucharist, right? We have things that our body, our mind can perceive. And so the idea of being able to put ourselves into a place that connects us to the God, yeah, sometimes the idea that God helps us overcome our fears and God helps us in those in those difficult moments. Sometimes it's a little hard to bridge that gap between, you know, this abstract concept of a father that we may not even have a good image of our father and then trying to translate that into making ourselves or, or like feeling a sense of wholeness. So the idea of physical things that help, uh, that self-care, that helps connect us back to the present moment, that helps connect us to reality. Well, one of the things I've I've loved about my job um, is the opportunity to learn more and more about the brain. And so this is brain-based, what I'm talking about. There is a part of the brain called the amygdala, which is the fight or flight part of the brain. And when that part of the brain gets triggered, we if we do some physical things, we can actually help 
calm that part of the brain um, because its job is just to make sure we stay alive and it does a certain number of things that if we go counter to such as slow deep breathing versus very shallow and rapid breathing when we're panicking um, that we can begin to help change what's going on in our brain a bit so physical movement is absolutely a part of making that change for that particular part of the brain. And I think that's great. You recalled that a lot of people were taking more walks during mm-hmm. uh, when they were working from home mm-hmm. and, you know, during during this time that that get just get outside mm-hmm. away from your work, away from your desk. I have to do that sometimes here, too, in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm in a, a small, a small office where it's kind of dark, just that industrial lighting, you know, no windows in the middle of the day. It's so healthy for me just to walk outside and really just take a take a lap around the parking lot. All putting you in the present moment. Mm-hmm. The p- attentiveness to the walking, the smelling, using your senses, the smelling, the seeing, the feeling, it, the wind or whatever, mm-hmm. putting you in touch with your senses, which is what pulls us into the present moment. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other parts of your job that are like highlights? I, when it goes well, and it doesn't always, when it goes well and when people do um, heal and move in the, in the right direction and I get to sit with people as they are possibly telling me things they've never told anybody else or coming close to stuff they've never even admitted or thought about to themselves. One of the, the greatest gifts of doing this work is I am sitting with the transcendent. Mm. I think I am sitting in that moment with the a deep part of this person and I have the great gift of being able to witness it and participate in what they're doing. Um, a lot of my time is spent talking to God while I'm in therapy, asking for help. Mm. Um, and yeah, I'm the eyes and hands of Christ. That's one of the, the other gifts of my job, I think, um, as I do this work. But it, it's not by virtue of just Marguerite by herself. It, it, this, is a, this is a team sport, God and me. Um, and so this is, it's a, one of these phenomenal gifts to be able to sit with people when they have these moments. Mm-hmm. And they may not even be aware of it, but I am. Wow. And uh, speaking of awareness, for those people listening, could you suggest, Marguerite, of any sort of signs or warnings that other people might exhibit that okay, you know, I'm seeing this behavior, I'm seeing that behavior, maybe I should refer this person to counseling. Are there any of those kinds of um, just signals maybe that we can just share with our audience just if they're not as familiar with maybe some triggers of, oh, you know, this person might be struggling mentally and they might need to talk to somebody. When I was in school, they they used to talk about any sort of mental health issue along a continuum when you study an illness of any kind, everybody decides, well, I have that too. Um, and so... <laughs> that is um, so true. <laughs> That's so true. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> same thing when you're going through a psychopathology class. But it all comes down to, uh, the, on the continuum, as to, you know, mild, moderate, severe. Mm. So if I am having some uh, symptoms of some sort and it's mild and it doesn't last very long and it comes and goes, probably not something to be concerned about. I'm going to be more concerned about something that seems to come and take up residence and maybe get worse or certainly not improve. And I'm thinking about things like anxiety and depression when those are those are biological illnesses. And so when somebody is dealing with that, chances are if it's an organic versus a situational kind of uh, depression, it's not going to get better. It's going to come and stay. And it, that so when something you see is 
not getting better, is now pretty chronic, might be getting worse, that certainly would be a time that I would suggest, yeah, somebody go talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard to sort of gauge that because mm-hmm. sometimes, especially with depression, you just feel like, oh man, it's just been a tough day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's been a hard week, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, maybe next week will be a little bit better. And then slowly but surely, you just kind of um, struggle a little bit. And well, and things like depression, all uh, certainly depression, certainly anxiety, they all they they distort our thinking, or they distort our awareness of what's really happening. Um, when I'm depressed, n- nothing's ever going to get better. Uh, it's all hopeless. Uh, I I'm never going to enjoy anything good again. Well, I always will tell people that's the depression talking. That is the nature of, of depression is those thoughts that that come into your mind, and with anxiety, catastrophizing about the future nothing's going to go right it's going to all crash and burn the sky is falling again the nature of the illness is to have these kinds of messages and thoughts coming through to us so i mean kind of going along with that what's maybe something that you that you wish that um you know like for all for our parishioners and for folks that are listening like kind of being on the lookout for not just like necessarily triggers or signals but what's something that you wish we would know um, maybe a, a question not to ask or like uh, yes. maybe maybe something to, uh, you know, something that would help us sort of be able to say the, not the right thing, because I don't know if there's ever always the right thing to say, but at least to be able to be a positive presence for someone struggling with anxiety or depression or really any, any of the, any, anything. Well, they're definitely the wrong things to say, without a doubt. Um, and I, I, I enjoyed actually sitting here thinking about what would I like to people never to say again. <laughs> Please do share. So those are things like, so these are the don'ts. Don't tell someone they're going to get over it. Mm. Don't tell someone it's God's will. Don't tell someone it could be worse Ooh, or yeah. that they have nothing yeah. to complain about or... Uh, this I heard once, uh, again, a pet lover uh, lost a dog and reported on somebody had said to them, it's just a dog. So, Oof. yeah, never say that to anybody. Um, never. I don't encourage people to look to fix things for somebody who's speaking about something that's going on for them. We don't need, typically we don't need a fixer, unless we're asking for it, when we're trying to tell you how I'm feeling about something. So don't try to fix something. Um, and especially you shouldn't feel that way. Mm. that i hear a lot that people will say so that's on the don't list on the do list is i'm here to listen to whatever you need to to say um i'm sorry that you feel really badly about what can i do to help and how can i support you so rather than assuming i know what they need i'm gonna give them the dignity of telling me what they need and asking for whatever they need versus me just rushing in and trying to fix something but many 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 times people have their emotional reactions and perspectives and and just how they've taken something or it's how it's landed for them dismissed and told it that's not a thing you shouldn't feel that way that's not real um Oh, please. That's just so little. Don't worry about that. But the whole idea of dismissing when somebody will tell you they're feeling or thinking about something. 
Thank you for sharing. I think yeah. that's really, really valuable information. Um, I've seen a lot of people sharing a little bit more on social media just about some of their own personal mental health struggles or some of these stereotypes or some of these uh, these taboos, trying to break those stereotypes and bring more awareness. So I can I can speak on behalf of some people that I know. Thank you. Thank you for your work. It's, it's incredibly valuable, um, the kind of work that you and the other counselors at Catholic Charities are doing. And it's even more valuable, I think, that you're doing it. Um, like you're saying, it's, it's the Holy Spirit working through you, uh, definitely through your degree. Definitely through your license degree. Um, I won't downplay the importance of education, but I think it's wonderful that the Catholic Church recognizes this as a need and uh, and has services to offer. So kind of going along with that, how can people get in touch with counseling services, people who are in need um, and all of that? How can they get in touch with the folks from uh, Catholic Charities? So we... we- we have an intake coordinator, one in the south, one in the north, and, you know, that would have been a good number for me to have with me, um, and I don't. And uh, so they can call, they can go to ccda.net and, and look at our different programs, and then there is going to be a number there uh, in terms of an intake coordinator to call. Um, certainly for this parish, I know my name and my my phone number are in the bulletin. Mm-hmm. So that would be certainly the first place you can call if you did, uh, especially since I don't have uh, Irma's <laughs> phone number. Um, so they would just, they would go through that process. And for people here, I will sometimes offer a free consultation just to find out is what do we want to do? Is this something that we really could work on or b- would benefit from therapy? Or is there something else that would be more helpful to you? Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. So we always ask one question. We've been asking everybody and it's going to be like our theme <laughs> for the for the podcast because we've noticed that there's something special about uh, the decision behind why people choose this. So it's a question you already know the answer to. But I bet you've never been asked this before. So, well, Marguerite, so Marguerite, where is your pew in the church? Where do you sit in the church? What's your spot? Well, at my parish, I am in the choir. So I don't have an assigned pew in the church because right now I'm in, sitting with the rest of the folks in the choir. Right. So I, I have been sitting in the same seat for the past few months. So now, is it choir on the side, or is it choir up in the balcony, or is it choir kind of up It's up near? in the front, okay. on the side. Oh, wow. yes. You see everybody. Yeah, we do, and they see us. It's kind of scary at times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, if, if it's okay with you, I have a couple shout-outs. One sure. is I really would like to do a shout-out for the bishop. He is... Uh, Bishop Laverty, Bishop Burbage especially, all behind counseling. And a lot of the Catholic charities are not doing mental health counseling anymore because it is an expensive program. And so a lot of Catholic charities have decided not to do them, the counseling program. And so both these bishops have been phenomenally supportive of of the family services. And I really shout out for that um, in gratitude. And then the, the last thing is one the what would be something I wish everybody knew I have encountered this one so much so I want to just add this before we end is our emotions are not sinful Mm. I can't tell you the number of people who come to me and say that they've been sinful because they felt a certain way and I do all the time that what we 
feel is not sinful. God gave us our emotions. They're like lights on the dashboard of a car to help us figure out what's going on inside. Of course, what we do with them can, can be problematic, sure, but sure. they themselves are not. And so if I could help people not have to bear the burden of guilt about just feeling whatever they feel, that that's my last shout out. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Marguerite, it has been an absolute joy to have you on. And I mean, we could we could talk for hours. We could have like an extended bonus footage for you. Maybe (laughs) one day. One day we'll have like the sequel or something like that. But um, look, mental health, folks, is uh, a very serious, very real thing. And it's beautiful that our church spends the time that it does to uh, make sure that folks are getting uh, help that they need and have a place to turn to and a a safe, uh, a safe landing place. So we're so grateful for Marguerite for all of the work that you do, the work that all of Catholic Charities does. Mm-hmm. And folks, if you are ever struggling or um, feeling you know, anxious or um, uh, not sure how to cope with emotions or uh, issues or anything that's gone on in your mind, if you're worried about those kinds of thoughts, don't hesitate to call the church to get a hold of, uh, to get a hold of us. We'll get you in touch with um, the uh, Catholic Charities. There is not a single soul that, uh, in, in, on this planet that isn't uh, worthy and, and has dignity and we'd love to help you understand that if you have trouble seeing it in your own uh, seeing it in your own life. So uh, we are grateful for you and we're grateful for all of our listeners and with that God bless you all and have a wonderful day. Bye ladies. Bye bye.